Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Saints Hour. Mike Hoss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. The Saints at home against the Detroit Lions. A tough final, 33-28, fall to 5-7. and seven. So many things that were positive out of this game that we'll talk about. Red zone, goal to go. Uh, it was just a stunning beginning. I don't know that I've, at least I'm in recent memory, been a part of a 21-0 with eight minutes to go uh, in the first quarter. I mean, it was just, you know, it, it was stunning. Yeah, um, yeah. It's hard to think about positives when you lose a game, right? But Yeah. But it's what, it's what we try to do. We try to think about the things that we did well and um, as well as the things that we didn't do well. But you know, it was an odd game in that regard because the first seven minutes, as you said, um, it, everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and we're down twenty-one nothing, and against a really good team. And so, man, that's that's a that's a tough road to hoe. And and yet we gave ourselves um, a chance to win the game um, in the fourth quarter. So I was proud of our team for that. Um, proud of the way we fought back and fought through adversity. Um, you know, the things that have kept us from winning games, which is really red zone scoring, um, we were four for four. In. And so that was positive. Um, I think this is the first game that we've had that I can recall anyway recently that we were in the negative category in the takeaways and turnovers. So that that wasn't good. And and yet, man, the, the, the first one, you know, the interception, um, look, it's a ricochet off the hands of a receiver that, that you you know you expect uh, and he would expect to catch and it goes right into the hands of um, of their DB and and so they're in our territory right away so that, that was disappointing. Listen, you have to overcome that and and uh, I thought that we did a really good job um, from the second quarter on of both defensively and offensively of getting back in the game. Look, it was from that point on it was twenty eight twelve in our favor and so that's a good sign. Uh, against a good football team, but at the end of the day, it's a loss. So I'm going to make a statement. You don't even have to answer, uh, respond to it because I'm going to answer the, the statement because I get asked this all the time. The media is talking about it all the time. And that has, you know, the generic has this team quit on the coach. And to me, if it's 21 nothing and your team has quit on that coach, the end of that game is 56 3. Uh, if your team has quit on a coach, You've not averaged six points giving up in the second half of the last five games. You you don't quit temporarily. You either quit or you don't quit. So to me, it's kind of a pointless question because 21-0 is the perfect opportunity 
to quit. They didn't quit. They hung as tough as they've ever hung. And again, you don't even have to respond because I've answered the question, I feel like, but it is out there. Yeah, well, that's just unsophisticated and lazy um, journalism, to right. be honest with you. Right. Um, as I said, someone, that's someone that either didn't watch the game or doesn't understand the game and probably a lot of both. Um, yeah. And so here we are, five games left, uh, five and seven. You've actually, you know, at this point last year were – four and eight and fell to four and nine. And then, so it was a, a strong finish uh, by your team. And there's, there's not at this point, you just do what, what's in front of you. you. Take what you have, you work with what you have, you, you get better with what you didn't do the f- previous week and you, you fight through the injuries and see what happens with Derek Carr. I mean, it kind of is what it is at this point. Yeah. Look, th- there's still, there's still lots to play for. Um, we, we've got all of our goals and dreams are, are still available to reach. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think uh, Dennis said this after the game is that we have to just keep chopping, you know, keep, uh, keep fighting. Um, Cause there's good things that can happen. Um, we've seen flashes of it. Um, and we just need more of it. That's, that's the honest truth. And, and, uh, I believe we can do that. I do with all my heart. The play of Alvin Kamara, you know, he's uh, now your overall leading rusher from a touchdown standpoint, running touchdown, all-purpose leader. Um, you know, he, he's just such a solid, uh, dependable player each and every week. And, you know, in the end, I don't know where he's going to fit with all the records because, uh, you know, he's kind of – he shares it, you know, so much. But, man, it's just hard to imagine – uh, you could put into perspective his importance. Yeah, well, there there was a number of um, really good individual performances in the game, and Alvin certainly uh, was one of them. You know, he he um, ran the ball really hard. He was one of the guys leading the charge and fighting back. Um, really proud of him. Proud that he's got you know the touchdown records that he's getting. And look, it, it feels like every week that he plays, he adds another record to his uh, to his resume. Um, Nephi Sewell stepped in for, for Pete Warner and, and, uh, man, he had eight tackles and some tackles for loss and, uh, really encouraging, uh, it was encouraged by his play. Zach Bond had a sack against maybe the best, uh, one of the best, uh, tackles in football in Penny Sewell. And, uh, that, that was encouraging. Um, I thought Derek, you know, after, you know, after the first couple series, put together a spectacular game. You know, I think he had 14 or 15 consecutive passes. He let us, you know, those two, two scores in the third quarter to get back in the game. Um, I, I thought he played really well and, and uh, uh, obviously discouraged by the fact that he got injured. Um, you know, he took a pretty good blow on the, on the uh, roughing the passer penalty. That was definitely, um, you know, a penalty on their player. Um so that was disappointing that he wasn't able to finish the game. And yet I thought he played really well. And so um, Chris Olave, another guy that, that, you know, quietly just week to week um, plays his butt off and, and gives us everything he can. Um, you know, we added Jonathan Abram to, uh, uh, to the roster this week and, and he did some good things um, on special teams in particular. 
And so th- there was just a lot of guys. Jimmy Graham, it was great to see him get an, uh, a touchdown again. That, um, you know, on his on, on his play. And so there there was a lot of good individual performances that happened. And yet again, you know, the end result is it's a loss. And so we've got to we've got to have these good individual performances. Um, it's a lot more fun to talk about them when you win. Uh, the last question of this block, and then we'll take a quick break, is is kind of on that the Alave Graham thing. And Alave, to me, the impressive part is they were going to be targeting on Alave because you felt like he was going to be the guy that the Saints would go to, uh, yet he still has a huge game. And then with Graham, you know, just from a fan standpoint, people would want to know he's he's got he's played three plays and he's got two touchdowns. You know, is it should there be? Yeah, more? it sounds like we need to play more plays. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm just you know, I'm just a fan, so uh, yep. it's just I'm doing the math. Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, yeah, look, I think look, we're we're a team that has a lot of options relative to offense and guys we can get the ball to, you know, particularly when we're healthy. Um, you know, because Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill and Chris Olave and and um, Juwan Johnson, we I mean, we've got guys Rashid. So we we've got guys on our team that can make plays. You know, it's interesting because look, when you're playing a team and you're developing your plan on how you're going to defend the team, you're trying to take away the, the you know the things that they like to do best. And and you know we were able to for the most part take away uh, one of their wide receivers, Amasi Brown, and yet. Man, Sam Laporta stepped up and had nine catches, and we didn't have an answer for him. So, I think that uh, you know when teams play us, it's it's the same situation. Yes, you might be able to take away one uh, of our better options, and yet we have a number of options. The Saints Hour will continue after this on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With Saints General Manager Mickey Loomis and Executive Vice President, this is the Saints Hour. Mike Austin, I want to talk to you a little bit about Tyron Matthew, the club's 2023 Man of the Year nominee for the Walter Payton Award. There's a lot of things that go into this. Uh, it's team voted, and so, but it's about the player who leaves the lasting impact beyond the game in their communities and We've seen Demario Davis and, and different players of this team. Talk about 
Tyron Matthew, only been with the Saints for two years, but he started and played in every game since he got here. You couldn't have asked anything more on the field, and now I would imagine very little more off the field. Yeah, look, Tyron's, um, man, he means so much to our team, but also to the community. You know, he's, he's uh, you know, the fact that he's an LSU guy and a New Orleans guy and and, and St. Aug and all, all the connections that he has here, for him to be able to come back home and, and uh, play for us and continue that um, that legacy that he has in our community is it just speaks volume as to the kind of person he is. And he's well deserving of NFL man of the year, not just for our team, but um, um, you know, I'm hopeful that he wins it for the whole league because he certainly deserves it. And you kind of, you took part of the words out of my mouth and that it speaks volumes to me that this is the second time he's been nominated. He was nominated in 2021 with Kansas city. So to do that with two different franchises, and, you know, over a period of years, it's not – this is more of who he is, right? This is the real uh, picture. Yeah. Look, uh, I think Tyron's a guy that that's – you know, he's passionate about football. He's passionate about our team. He's passionate about, you know, the community here. And and, and uh, it's the same passion that a number of guys on our team have. You know, uh, you know, Cam Jordan and, and Demario Davis have been nominees uh, for us in the – past few years and both those guys do so much and and uh both deserve the recognition that that comes with that um that's not what they're looking for when they when they do their work in the community but it's certainly well deserved and we just had the my cause my cleats weekend uh with the lions game so you got 17 players and of course tyron was one of them with the uh, you know the unique cleats but by the way no one cares about this, but I'm all for it. I love it. I could find JT Gray on that field in a matter of seconds with his bright <laughs> shoes. And in my world, anything that can help identify a player, I'm all for. But that was a, that was a, another great showing. 17 players taking part in that. Yeah, it's a great program that the league has and, and calls attention to a lot of uh, really worthy causes. Take a quick break. We are talking with Saints General Manager and Executive Vice President Mickey Loomis. This is the Saints Hour. Back after this on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Welcome back to the Saints Hour. Mike Austin on with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. The Lions were in town. We've seen a lot of teams that travel well. Pittsburgh travels well. Lions traveled well and had very, very good seats. What I think was atypical for me to see with the number of fans from the other team was where they sat, which was lower bowl behind their other team's bench, which means they pretty much had their choice of, of, of where they wanted to sit. It was just, it was, you know, the saints were able to shut them down in the second half from a, from a fan standpoint, but it was just kind of an, an atypical situation for me. Yeah, I would say this. Um, look, we're used to having a large number of saints fans at some of our, um, opponent uh you know away games uh, we're not used to having that volume of visiting fans at our games and so i would say look we you know our stadium sold out on a season basis that's disappointing to have you know that many tickets that are resold and and um you know given to visiting uh fans but look i understand it i mean i understand the economics of it i understand that you know season tickets are expensive and um you, know, you can't go to every game and so you know pick and choose to sell some but I, I was a little caught off guard by the volume as you said in the lower bowl 
that was unusual. And look, I understand it, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, the, or the early booing. I, you know, I understand it. Look, one of the things that we have here is a very, very passionate fan base. I appreciate that. You know, our fans care. Um, they want to win. Um, we've set a high standard for that. And when we don't win, it, it can become emotional. Uh, look, our team's fighting. They're fighting to uh, and giving everything they can to win a game. Every player is. And the booing doesn't help us. It certainly doesn't help us. And I know as a fan um, myself of, of teams, I understand that, yeah, I can be angry and, and boo, but I'm not helping my team doing that. And so, um, look, it is what it is. But, again, um, fans have the right to do that. They have the right to express themselves. They're paying – Lots of money uh, to come watch our team, and they they can certainly boo, but uh, I don't have to like it. Well, I will say this, and Deuce and I talked about this on the broadcast at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. It was it was they were all back. It was twenty six to twenty one, and anybody who had left the ship had got back on because it was you know full board then. And that's you know it is what it is, but I mean you know. Fans are fickle, and it is you. They it is their money. They do, they do with the one, but they they returned uh, when that game got tight and, and 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 made themselves known. And so we'll need the same thing uh, Sunday. Carolina yeah. comes down. It's it's an unusual one and eleven team. They hung with Tampa Bay till the end uh, last week, and I don't know that we've seen many one and eleven teams that have the seventh overall ranked defense and the fourth ranked overall pass defense and they're not like horrible against the run i mean that's a that's a fairly impressive stat when you think about a 1-11 team yeah well look you know we've talked about this before in the nfl these margins are so um small but you know the margin between winning and losing is so small and there's not there hasn't been a team in the nfl that can't beat another team that, that just doesn't exist so we have to um you know, we've got to come out and we've got to play well in order to, to beat a team that, that is desperate for a win. We need to be desperate for a win. We are desperate for a win. And we need to give our fans um, a reason to cheer right from the beginning. Um, yeah, I mean, we need – listen, we have a great home field advantage. We do. Um, but we have to give our fans a reason to create that environment, and um, I think we will. Carolina – at one and eleven has has gone for it on fourth down. Not too surprising, although Detroit had gone for it on fourth down more than any team in the NFL. Carolina has gone for it on fourth down more than they have ever in franchise history. Which I mean, my point is, these teams are dangerous. They don't, they, you know, they're not. Yeah. They got nothing to lose. They'll do some things that maybe they wouldn't do in a normal game. Yeah, absolutely, and and um, you know, we just have to be prepared for that. Look, we we understood. You know, Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions are an aggressive team. We understood that we were going to get, you know, fourth down uh, opportunities and that they were going to, you know, come up with some trick plays. And, and uh, you know, we had to be prepared for that. And, and look, we have to do the same for this game. They're, you know, they're desperate for a win. They're looking for, for anything positive. Um, it's a division opponent, so it's not going to be any problem getting guys motivated and up to play. And so, um, yeah, we'll be ready. And finally, last question is we're going to bring on um, Jonathan Vilma. Is that the Saints, Atlanta, and Tampa all each have 
five games left, three division games. Your Two of your three are home. Two of their three both are on the road. I mean, it is what it is. It, this You work for what you what is attainable until somebody tells you it's no longer attainable. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, lots of things can happen. Um, lots of good things can happen going forward. And so uh, we'll be ready for that. And, and I, look, I, I'm positive about our team. There's a lot of things I'm positive about. The only thing I'm not positive about is a record. <laughs> yeah, um, but it is what it is. And so we've earned it and we've got to, and only we can change it. I would like to say this, though. Look, this week we found out that Jari Evans um, made the final 25 uh, in the Hall of Fame cut, and we're excited about that. Um, I don't know that we've, we talk enough about uh, how great Jari was as a player. You know, we talk about Breeze and, and his upcoming eligibility for the Hall of Fame, but uh, we, need to, we need to – sometimes we need to step back and focus about how great Jari Evans was as a player and, and he's got a great opportunity to, to uh, be part of the hall of fame. And uh, I hope that happens for him. Yep. Six straight pro bowls. I, I got an earful from Deuce talking about Jari uh, with our show Friday. And then over the weekend, just, you know, until you have to, until that guy's in front of you and he's blocking for you, you learn a lot more about, you know, who he was uh, as a player, as I did and, and learned about Jari. Let's pause 10 seconds to let stations identify themselves here on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll speak with Jonathan Vilma, Saints linebacker, 2008 to 2013, now part of the Fox Broadcasting team. Stick with us here on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Welcome back to the Saints Hour. Mike Hoss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. And thrilled to have on former Saints linebacker, now Fox analyst and color analyst, Jonathan Vilma, played with the Saints 2008 to 2013, and calling this weekend's game as well. Am I am I correct? You are 100% correct. You've seen probably as much of the NFC South as anybody out there. I know Atlanta has the mathematical lead, but there's so much football still to be played. Yeah, I, I always take, and Sean was good at putting uh, putting this time of the year in perspective. And so I always rely, go back to what he would always tell us. Right now, the Saints are exactly where they want to be with five games left. You win your games, you are a division winner, and you host a playoff game. That's right where you want to be because when you start the season, you say, what are our goals? Our goals, first and foremost, is always to win the division. So <clears throat> when you know, the the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever you want to call what's happened, the, the fact of the matter is the Saints are right where they want to be right now. And that's all that matters, and that's what everyone should be excited about. Look, I, I want to get back to something I mentioned just before you came on. We talked a little bit about Jari Evans. Um, you know, he's in this in this uh, finalist group for the Hall of Fame this year. I just talk a little bit about your observations of Jari. Um, look, you have a unique perspective and, and you know, being the linebacker facing that offensive line in practice and training camp and, you know, and in competition periods during the regular season. So just talk a little about, a bit about uh, Jari Evans. So Jari Evans, the reason that I was able to make a couple Pro Bowls when I was with the Saints, have a, a sound defense, 
and be as aggressive and violent as we were during that period is because of Jari Evans and the way that he practiced, the way that he got after me personally in training camp. He was extremely athletic. He was obviously one of the best guards in the NFL at the time. And so I always equated that back to – I would always have flashbacks of when I had to go against Frank Gore in my high school and college days, and I would face some of the best tight ends and running backs at college, and they made me an All-American, All-Big East at the time because I practiced against them day in and day out. And so because of him, I was able to be good. And, you know, it, it stinks. Drew Brees deservedly got all the attention. But if Drew Brees wasn't who he was, Jari would have been talked about like any other guard in the NFL for any generation of how good he was, how athletic he was, drive guys off the football. You couldn't uh, get him mentally. He always knew what game was coming, what blitz was coming. He provided the protection. Like Jari was awesome. He was this flat-out awesome, great offensive guard, and I really hope that he gets in this year because it's well-deserved. Yeah, that's well said. Um, so Doug Miller was pointing out to me uh, that you've been retired for 10 years now, which is hard to believe, number one. But look, yeah, you've been able to stay. old as hell, Mickey. I know that. Uh, I'm, I was avoiding that part of it. Um, anyway, <laughs> now you got me off my game. <laughs> so look, you know, you, you got to uh, – you know, see a lot of college football. Now you're doing the NFL. What look in your mind when you're watching what's happening, what looks different to you uh, about the game from where you sit as opposed to, you know, when you finish playing? Well, that's a good, good question, Mickey. <clears throat> I, I would say what looks different, what looks different right now is when I watch the game, I'm watching play plays or players that are very uh well let's start with the players very athletic yet they don't always show their toughness and what i mean by that is not just oh tackling hard or blocking hard but sometimes it looks like they play afraid of the backlash from social media or Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is, as opposed to just going out and playing ball and being the player, the competitor that they, that they know they can be because they're super athletic and they want to win yet. They, they don't want it to look bad, right. Or, or they, they're afraid to be out of their comfort zone for fear of what it'll look like on social media. So to give like a, you know, really good examples. I've seen where quarterback, he, he throw, he makes the right throw and let's say a receiver was supposed to go inside. And when you go inside on, let's say a slant, you can't get cut off by that defender. And I've seen the receiver get cut off by the defender. And as opposed to fighting as hard as he could to go and get in front of that defender and either get an incompletion or complete the pass, they just kind of back off because, you know, the, how does it look that I may have gotten blasted, right, trying to cross the defender's face 
and then I catch the ball, I get blasted, and now, oh, I'm going to be made fun of or whatever it is. Now they give up yeah. the interception, and they just kind of go back to the sideline like, hey, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm still too cool, right? Because I know, Mickey, you know, that he was supposed to cross the face. The, the fans don't know. They just say, oh, quarterback just threw an interception. Well, the quarterback can take it because he's the highest-paid player, blah, 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 blah. When in reality – it's the guy that should be fighting his ass off to get in front of that defensive back that should be making the play and not worried about what everyone's going to think if he gets killed, hit, headshot, or, or drops the ball, right? So little things like that I've noticed where the, the effort, it, it's not all the way there all the time. And it's almost like I'm, at times they're too cool, right, to put in 100% effort. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's – that's you know it's interesting that you, the way you put that because look the rules have you know the the, the changes in the rules uh, you know the physicality of the game is an important part of it and yet we've tried to diminish that in in the interest of safety I can you know I understand that you know I saw a stat the other day uh, John you'll find this interesting in 2010 25 percent of the offensive stat snaps were taken in shotgun this year. 61% of the snaps are taken in shotgun. And so wow. look, that, change, wow. that changes. I mean, just think about it from your standpoint as a middle linebacker, that changes the way you play and the things that you're looking for, right, in, in, in the game. And so those yeah. are the nuances that have changed over time that have affected our game pretty significantly. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree. And I think it's also changed the way – that the players are being developed coming out of college into the pros because they're so used to, as you just mentioned, shotgun. And there's only, uh, well, at least in college right now, there's a certain style of blocking the O-line does with shotgun, knowing that their quarterback is only looking at half of the field, right? Only the great quarterbacks, the really, really good quarterbacks are going to do a full field scan. And that requires more time and it requires the O-line to block longer and right. right now you're not seeing that happen in college so I, I i can see how that has changed the game as well yeah i mean just think about it in terms of this 60 percent, 25 percent. well we, you know during the week you know we're, we spend our coaches spend a lot of time our players spend a lot of time on play action for example well there's no play action in shotgun right it's just right you know so right. it's a it's a it's a whole different uh, um, you know, part of the game in terms of preparation as well as play. And so there, it's changing, you know, it's changed really right before our eyes over the last, uh, you know, 10 years. Yeah, we'll let you go. But I do want to get your thoughts because he's coming up next and he played with you and he came into the league in a different situation. And that's Jabari Greer, who played from 2009 to 2013. He's going into the Saints Hall of Fame this weekend. But he came in as an undrafted free agent. Uh, out of Tennessee, didn't, you know, had to make the club up in Buffalo. So, but when he gets here, I mean, you just, you, there's a different, you know, he's got that hunger, right? I mean, he's got that kind of, nothing was given to him along the way, wasn't a big draft pick. And so you must have seen that when you play with him. I saw what you're talking about is his edge that he carried with him all the time, uh, his tenacity that he carried with him all the time. Uh, some things that may not have been as obvious was Jabari was very, very prideful about his technique. 
and about not letting the team down. So I loved playing with Jabari because he wasn't always the biggest rah-rah guy uh, with within the team, but you could rely on him 100% that he was going to do his job. And if, if he didn't, if he got beat, man, he felt so bad that I didn't even have to go over to him. Like you, you knew that he felt bad about it and he was going to redeem himself some way, form or fashion. Well, you'll see him this weekend and we will as well. We appreciate your time. Uh, good luck when you get here to the Superdome. Enjoy your time in New Orleans. And uh, thanks as always. Thanks, Mickey. I'll see you when I get down there. Thanks, John. Of course, I'll probably be in bed. You know, as, as older guys, I'd have to go to bed really early. Fair enough. When we come back, another member of the 2009 Super Bowl team, Jabari Greer, getting inducted this weekend into the Saints Hall of Fame. That's coming up next here on the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Welcome back to the Saints Hour. Mike Hoss along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Lewis. And we go from Jonathan Vilma, who, by the way, was the 2010 Man of the Year nominee. We were talking about Tyron Matthew being this year. And now we get to the this year's Hall of Fame, Saints Hall of Fame inductee, Jabari Greer. I played with the Saints from 2009 to 2013. Four of the five years playoffs, of course, with the Super Bowl winning team. Jabari, it's a big weekend. Uh, it's got to be an amazing thrill and an amazing time to come back this weekend for what for what is going to happen. Wow, Ken, I'm, I am um, overwhelmed with uh, gratitude and um, humility. You know, thinking about the thinking about this. You know, thinking about. I remember when I met. Uh, Mickey and Sean, and they brought me in, and they gave me, you know, they gave they gave me the 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 story, not even a story, but they gave me the pitch they gave everybody, you know, like we have a quarterback, we have something special here, and as somebody coming in, um, I felt it immediately, um, and so to be able to uh, join the organization in the time that we did, we had so many dynamic playmakers. I remember listening to JV talk about the desire that um, certain players play with, feeling as if they were too cool to to do certain things. I remember how everybody in that year, 2009, was locked in. And I know that that is rare. That's a rare thing uh, because I've only had it a, oh, like once or twice in my teams throughout the league. So to be able to not only be in an organization and a team that had that type of tenacity, but also to to be recognized as one of the best that's played. I mean, that's it's too much for me, man. It's too much, Ken. My only surprise was Jabari. I thought you were already in the Saints Hall of Fame. So, <laughs> congratulations on being named that. Look, I remember that those conversations in two thousand nine. Look, we're recruiting uh, Jabari. He became become a free agent. Look, he was an undrafted yeah. free agent, number one. The Buffalo signed him, did a great job of getting him to Buffalo. And he developed into being a really good player for them and then became a free agent. And we're, we're you know, doing our pitch. Um, look, some of it was a little bit smoke and mirrors because we had come off a seven and nine season in seven. Oh, yeah. And in y'all wanted, right? wanted Ron Bartell. We did. Put I, that I, on. The honest <laughs> truth is we wanted Ron Bartell, number one. I'm glad you yeah. brought that up. <laughs> because I I remember Sean and I were at my house having a glass of wine the night before. Yeah. And we'd been we'd been talking to Ron Bartell and his agent. There was some uh, wishy-washy kind of 
you know, decisions and communication yeah. coming out. And I remember Sean and I talking and saying, why wouldn't we want the guy that wants to come here? You know, mm-hmm. why wouldn't we want him? And let's, let's bring Jabari in. And look, we had the same conversations that probably kept you from being drafted, you know, just yeah. lack of yeah. height. Right. But it wasn't a lack of toughness or a lack of desire or a lack of ability. It was just that one little thing. And Man, when we got you here, I remember Sean and I both were like, this is our guy. This is him. Mm. What were we doing, you know, thinking about another player? We should be thinking about Jabari Greer. And uh, fortunately, you bought what we were selling, and um, the rest is history. Yeah. Hey, listen, Mickey, you don't even, you know, um, you don't even know. (laughs) Actually, before that, I was visiting another organization, and I'm not going to put the organization out there, but – what happened was I was there and they put they put the whole pitch. They put the whole pitch together, you know, and when it was time to sign on the dollar line, what happened was they shortchanged me by a lot. It was basically disrespectful. So what I found out was they had used me as a stock as, as a stalking horse for the person they really wanted. So when I came, I went home that well, I was in a hotel that day. The next that night, my agent called me and told me that New Orleans wanted to bring me in. And so not even knowing that y'all had already planned on like getting another guy. But then when I came to the facility, Mickey, I remember having lunch with you, having lunch with um have no, we actually had lunch at the hotel, but coming and having lunch at the facility i remember eating um eating miss rose's uh uh corn corn grits i used to love those doggone corn grits she used to make all the time um but i remember eating and walking through uh, on my visit walking through the parking lot and i remember smelling my little league mouthpiece mickey like that old distinct smell from like the 80s and 90s the one that you had to boil first i remember smelling that and as clear as we're talking, Mickey, I'm telling you, I heard a voice say, if you come here, if you come here, you'll be able to play like you're a kid again. And I tell um, you what, I have never experienced that in my life. I knew. And that night after I had that moment, that night we went to Frenchman and we heard like the most incredible jazz on a Wednesday afternoon. And I'm like, I'm here. I'm. This is my place. This is me. <laughs> You know, I've been around a long time. I was with this team went through some lean years in the 80s and 90s, and, and there was not a winning culture. And so when Ooh. you arrived in, in, in 09, they had already turned this into a winning culture. When there's, We hear a lot of things that happen behind closed doors and, and the work that's being done. Take us, take us behind the curtain as to what makes this organization a winning culture, because it's not easy, and it's certainly not easy to make. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I remember. I remember the time that I knew everything was different. You know, uh, I mean, I had known, you know, I had known Drew. I had known a lot of the guys, the leaders on defense, a lot of the guys that were on defense. I knew their game. I had played with Pearson Prelo at Buffalo. So I knew that we were having, I knew that they were a good team. I knew that they were a good team. Uh, I think what changed was I remember we were, we were down. In a preseason, we were losing a team. We were losing to a team in preseason. And I remember um, up until that point in my career, we may be up on a team at halftime. But there was surely there would surely be a time in the game where someone where something would happen. Another team would score and there would be this total deflation on the sideline. Like, oh, here we go again. And sure enough. 
the team would wheel back and they would win. I remember being with the Saints doing a preseason game. We were losing, and I remember expecting this 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 whole feeling of like, oh, here we go again. Never happened, and it never happened the entire time that I was in New Orleans. We were always in the game, no matter how far we were down, twenty six to nothing versus the Miami Dolphins. We going to work, and that's one thing that's different from a championship organization to an organization that's just pretending to honestly put out their best effort. When everybody's on the same page and nobody's willing to give up to the echo of the whistle, that is what makes an organization special. And that's what's special about the New Orleans organization. Um, Jabari, let me, let me ask you a question about, look, that group of, of you know, that team, yeah, uh, 09 through 2013, that, that, just that group. You guys, I always okay. felt like particularly close, close-knit yes. group. You know, what, what is it that, uh, you know, that enhanced that in terms of how close you guys were as a group? I mean, obviously, when you win, everybody's, you know, it's chuckles for everybody. They're excited about that. But I felt like it was more than just the winning. You know, there was a there was a camaraderie and a trust yeah. that you guys built amongst each other. And talk to me about that a little bit. Well, you know, I, this is a funny thing, man, because I think that I think that building a team, and I would say, listen, credit goes to you and and and, uh, and Sean, um, because when you build a team, there are certain you're building, you know, you are creating a living organism, right? And and so with that team, you are not only matching talent, which obviously what you know what we pay play what players players get paid for and selected for, but you are selecting personalities and people. And certain personalities, like you have to have certain personalities on the team to have like a more a more complete and symbiotic relationship within the organism, right? So we needed that, we needed that veteran, that priest and payload, that veteran who could say, like, hey coach, listen, it's enough. It's time to go. You know what I'm saying? Let's go ahead, yeah. let's go ahead and wrap this meeting up and let's go ahead and get out of here. You know, Pearson was that guy, you know, Pearson, you needed that young up-and-coming playmaker like Tracy. You need that young guy, that young guy that reminds you what it's like to be young, right, but that can make plays, that have all the upside. You need that vet, You need that veteran quarterback, that guy that you believe in, that guy that you know can get it done, and a guy that's not going to hee-hee and kiki and laugh with everybody, somebody that actually has direction and their, you know, has purpose and direction in the way that they're going. And so, and we, and so when you have that in Drew and you got an incredible playmaker like Reggie, um, Reggie was like, I think for him in our locker room, Reggie was like the guy, he was a California guy. He was like the, 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 the star, you know? And I think that we had all these different personalities, these different people that we felt like we had a complete team. If we just had a whole bunch of dudes from one side of the neighborhood or one, you know, or another set of the tracks, it would not have worked. We had to have that older guy, that younger guy, that veteran, that rookie, that playmaker, that 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 contributor. And so you need the personalities of people that that come together and that can collectively make a complete team. And y'all did a great job in doing that. Goodbye. Thanks so much, man. I look forward to seeing you this weekend. And uh, congratulations. Like I said, I thought you were already in the Hall of Fame, so it's well-deserved. <laughs> and he will not be alone. Longtime sideline videographers and my good friends, Bob Parkinson and Steve Peretti, will also be inducted as the Joe Gemelli Florida Lee Hall of Famers. Big weekend and congrats to all. We'll see you next week here on the Saints Hour.
on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 